Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. I'll ask you to turn to John chapter 4, and I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to be brief as well. Um, a couple weeks back, the association had a teen event, a youth rally kind of thing over at Center Road, and they had a youth pastor from down in Beach Road Baptist in Holden Beach, and he came and spoke, and he preached about the Samaritan woman at the well. That's what we read about in John chapter 4. And uh, as he was preaching, one verse, or two verses really, John 4, 20 and 29, really stuck out to me. Uh, I know I had read it before, like you, I'd read or even heard this passage preached probably hundreds of times, but here in verses 20 and 29, after Jesus had revealed himself um, to this woman at the well as the Messiah, the, the Savior that God had promised to come and save his people, it says in verse 28, then the woman left her water pot and she went her way into the city and she saith to the men there, come see a man which told me all things that I ever did is not this the Christ? Is, is not this the Messiah? She was asking them, really telling them. And um, by that we know she had belief uh, in what Jesus said. She had believed in who Jesus is and what he was offering her. And it says there in verse 28, she left her water pot. And I, I began to think there, like, was that just absent-mindedness on her part? Because that was the whole reason she was going to the well. I, I don't think so. Uh, she left her water pot there because she had found the true well of living water. Isn't that right? And uh, she had been made new by Jesus Christ. Her life had been radically transformed. So here's the question. Uh, I want you to think back to when you were first saved, when your life first interacted with Jesus, when you trusted in him as Savior. Did you leave your water pot? And in your now daily interactions as a born-again follower of Christ, uh, have you left your water pot like this lady did? I mean, because we find somebody here in John 4 who, who's so smitten by who God is for her and Jesus. We find somebody uh, whose life has been so transformed that it says she left her water pot. No, I don't think this is about absent-mindedness. This is the result of a renewed mind, as Paul describes a Christian in Romans 12, 1 and 2. And that got me thinking when I was there that Saturday evening, what are some water pots in our own lives as Jesus followers um, that can distract us from following him? What, what water pots do we sometimes fail to leave behind uh, in a life of following Christ? And if we look at some of the verses here in chapter 4, uh, obviously one water pot is a water pot of sin. Uh, there's nothing sinful about this lady's water pot or, or about her use of it, but there's definitely a connection uh, between her water pot and between uh, the sins she struggled with. If you remember this account back in verse 6 uh, of John chapter 4 here, it says that, she, um, that Jesus was at the well at noon, at the sixth hour. That's noon. And um, that's when 
he met her. That's when she went to the well. That was not a normal time of the day for women to go and retrieve water. In that culture, um, they wouldn't do that. It was too hot. Typically, women would go and retrieve water in the morning uh, when it was cooler. And doing this, they all went and did it together. So it also allowed for them to interact with each other. They could talk about life. They could see how everybody was doing. But, you know, that's exactly why this lady went to the well when she did at noon. Uh, she didn't want any interactions with others. Uh, she wanted to avoid the crowd. She wanted to avoid interactions with people who might have known about her sinful lifestyle. She wanted to avoid looks of disdain, avoid whispers going on. But she couldn't avoid Jesus, could she? I mean, he went intentionally out of his way um, to interact with her. And he knew more about her and the sin that she struggled with than any of those people might have, any of those who might have made some offhanded comment or cast a disdainful look her way. Uh, Jesus addressed her sin in, uh, in verses 17 and 18. And while we don't have any um, go and sin no more phrase from Jesus like we do in John 8 when he interacted with the woman caught in adultery, I've got no doubt that that was exactly the Samaritan's woman's response to meeting Jesus as well. And that's because that's always the response when somebody truly turns in faith to Jesus Christ and turns from sin, they leave their water pot. They leave their water pot of sin. Um, God gives them progressively uh, new affections, things that they, before they were saved, they had almost no interest in. Uh, now those things are very dear to them. And uh, after trusting in Jesus as Savior, God will also give you new aversions, things that used to be so precious to you, things that you couldn't even imagine uh, you could live without, things that were at the same time both temporarily pleasurable but also binding and destructive in your life. Now you just can't find the same pleasure in. And uh, for those who come to trust in Christ as Savior, those are water pots that water pots of sin that you want to and you need to leave behind just like she did. What about you? I mean, you've placed your faith in Christ. Is there some water pot of sin that you know that you need to abandon, but you've been trying to bring it along and following Jesus? Don't do that just like the woman at the well did. Leave it right here. Leave it here tonight where you're interacting with Jesus just like she did. I also thought about the water pot of stuff. And I'll ask you to turn to 2 Timothy. Uh, we'll look at a couple of verses there. 2 Timothy 4. 9 and 10. And uh, we're introduced here to a fellow named Demas. And uh, I've battled this water pot. I think we all have to some degree. We all will while we await Christ's return or him calling us home. The water pot of stuff is a constant temptation. It's presented to us all day, every day. Uh, it says you need this or this stuff will make you happy. And oh, they have it. Don't you want to be like them? You deserve it. Your kids need it if they're going to be happy and successful in this world. It's a water pot of stuff. But let me tell you something, Jesus follower. It's too heavy for you to bring along if you're going to follow Jesus. And in 2 Timothy 4, 9, and 10, uh, we don't know much about Demas before this. He's mentioned twice earlier. In Colossians 4, 14, God has Paul refer to him as he closes his epistle to the Colossians, and you always often see those farewells. Uh, it says, Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. There's one other time he's mentioned, uh, Philemon, 
1, 24 and 25, God has Paul say this about Demas. Uh, Paul writes, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you, greets you, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke. And they're all my fellow laborers. So Paul calls him, calls Demas a fellow laborer there in Philemon. But something changed between these references and here in 2 Timothy 4, 9, and 10. This, this is Paul's last letter before he dies. I mean, he's on death row. It could be, uh, honestly, these words could be penned. Uh, minutes a day before he gave his life for Jesus Christ. And if you look there in verses 9 and 10, uh, Paul writes to the young pastor Timothy, and he tells him, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and he's departed for Thessalonica. So, so what changed in Demas's life um, to change him from being a fellow laborer uh, in ministry and in service to Jesus to hear forsaking the ministry. Well, it tells us right there. Well, it was. I, I mean, I think literally when it says a love for this present world, he knew where Paul was headed and he didn't want to go there himself. Um, I think it might be a little bit broader too, um, that he loved the things of this world. Uh, Alexander McLaren, he was a Scottish Baptist minister who lived in the 1800s and he had a commentary and, and he writes about this verse. Demas was not a monster. I mean, when we read this, um, we don't know much about the guy, so we think, wow, how terrible. It doesn't say he wasn't saved. doesn't say he wasn't Christian. It says that he has forsaken me because he's loved this present world. Demas was not a monster. He was a man just like the rest of us. He, he came to this bad reputation here in these verses by a very well-trodden path that's familiar to a lot of us. When Paul writes, he has forsaken me, having loved this present world, it means that while Demas was a man of faith, he didn't have enough faith in Christ to resist the constant attractions and seductions of stuff. And so how many of us, just like Demas, how many of us struggle to, to faithfully follow Jesus, obeying what he has commanded us to do, all because we, we don't want to leave this water pot? How often this water pot of stuff, it calls out for us to love it, to carry it, to place our trust in it, when we should be having a love for and trust in Jesus alone. And, and there are strong words here, uh, that describe the danger of this water pot. It says Demas loved it. The Greek word is agapaho. It's where we get the agape. You know, there's different words for love in the New Testament, but in the context here, it means to take pleasure in. It means to long for. Well, if we're following Jesus Christ, we're to take pleasure in him, not stuff. And we're to love him. We're to long for the world to come, not the pleasures and treasures of this world, of this present age. And if we don't, we're going to have real difficulty in truly following Jesus, if we're trying to lug this heavy water pot of stuff along with us. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell the teens, God has no problem with you having things, but he, he most certainly has an issue with things having you. Does something have you, Jesus follower? Something other than Jesus? If so, leave that water pot here tonight. There's one more water pot that came to mind. And it's another one that has been a struggle for me. I, I wonder sometimes if men have uh, a diff more difficult time with this temptation, but I've, I've known where it's negatively impacted ladies who wanted to follow Jesus too. We turn uh, here as we close to Matthew 20. Matthew chapter 20. Uh, this is the water pot uh, of significance. There's such a contrast here in this passage, um, verses 20 to 34. Uh, in verses 20 to 22 of Matthew 20, um, 
the mother of the disciples, James and John, she comes to Jesus with a request. And I have no doubt that it was the boys who sent her to make it. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with what happened here. Um, Jesus responds to her presence with this question. He says um, in verse 21, what wilt thou? Literally, what do you want me to do for you? He says to their mother. And she tells him. She says, Jesus, in your kingdom, I would like James to sit on one side of your throne. And I want John, my son John, to sit on the other side. So she and James and John, they were, they were all holding on to this water pot of significance. They wanted notoriety. They wanted uh, prestige and, and probably the power that comes with those things. And Jesus tells her in verses 22 and 23, uh, he says, uh, he, he tells her and them. Here's why I think that they put her up to it. Because Jesus says, ye. Well, in the King James, that's plural, not singular. Uh, really, it's a y'all. Jesus says, y'all don't know what you're asking. Um, you don't know what's involved in that request you just made to me. It, it would entail you suffering just like I am going to suffer. And besides that, Jesus says that this isn't even a request that I'm able to grant. It belongs to God alone. And the, this water pot of significance, it wasn't uh, just a problem for James and John. Verse 24 tells us that all of the other disciples were mad at James and John for making this request, probably um, because they wanted those prominent positions for themselves. So in verses 25 to 28, Jesus straightens everybody out on their failure to leave this water pot of significance. He tells them, listen, if you're truly going to follow me, you have to follow me to, to humility. You have to follow me to, to finding your significance in me. <laughs> to finding your identity in me, not in any kind of self-glorifying position of prominence that this world has. You know, and just a few days later, Jesus would illustrate what following him in true humility looks like, wouldn't he? There at the Last Supper, he would take off his robe and he'd take a towel and he'd wash all of their feet. And uh, if we continue on here in this passage, Jesus asked the same question that he asked to James and John's mother. What do you want me to do for you? He asked them to some others in verses 29 to 34. Uh, him and his disciples meet two blind men. They're sitting by the road and they cry out to Jesus for mercy. In verse 32, Jesus asked them, what do you want me to do for you? Just same thing he had asked James and John's mom. What do they want? Do they want positions of power and notoriety? Did they want significance? These two guys, they just wanted sight. <laughs> Expressing great faith in who Jesus is and what he could do for them for his glory, for his glory, they asked Jesus, open our eyes. That's what we want from you. You know, and as we contrast these two things, I, I thought, you know, in this, in this passage, who really was more blind? The disciples or, or these two guys? I think it was the disciples who were holding on to the water pot of significance, not even understanding what following Jesus was all about. And, and again, if we consider the Samaritan woman at the well where we started in John chapter 4, you know, for years, for years she had looked for significance and satisfaction in all the wrong places. She'd attempted to find it in the affections of men who didn't have any real affection for her. But that day at the well when her life intersected with Jesus, she found that living well of water that satisfies, and she left her water pot. She found significance in the only person who can give it to us. She found her identity in Christ, and she left her water pot, and she latched onto him. 
So that's my question for you tonight. What's your water pot? It might be one of these. It might be all three of these. It might be none of these. Something entirely different. But whatever it is, uh, it's not following Jesus. And we need to ask ourselves on a daily basis, what, what water pot is getting in the way of me following Jesus how I know I should? If God brought one to your mind, would you leave it here tonight? And tell God that right now. Ask him to forgive you for lugging that thing around when you should have left it, when you came to him. And then ask him to help you from here on out to be just like this woman at the well, leaving any water pot behind for good because you have him and you find your significance in him and you find your satisfaction in him. I'll have Tommy and the praise team come up and we'll close out our service by singing a hymn.